For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, I share my recent conversation with Brent Habig from Two Creek Farm in northeastern Pennsylvania. If consumers shift their purchases to seasonal food, that they're eating what is in season throughout the year, and if they're shifting to purchasing from local farmers towards what is available locally, then that would be incredibly powerful to transform our food system in a way that would be more environmentally positive and support the local economy. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Meteorologists say roughly one in three Americans are under, under heat advisories or warnings this weekend. In California, thousands of farm workers remain out in fields where temperatures could reach 115 degrees this weekend. Joshua Yeager from member station KVPR reports. Nausea, dizziness, headaches. Those are the early signs of heat stroke, and Jesus Zuniga says he's experienced them all this week while picking tomatoes. He says for us, working in the fields outdoors, right in the sun, it's oppressive. California law requires employers to provide drinking water, shade, and breaks for workers. But United Farm Workers spokesman Antonio De Loera says compliance remains an issue. We say there's one law on the books, there's another law on the fields. State officials say they fined more than 500 employers this year for violating heat regulations. For NPR News, I'm Joshua Yeager in Bakersfield. The governor of Iowa signed a six-week abortion ban into law yesterday at a gathering of evangelical Christians where Republican presidential candidates were the featured speakers. As Iowa Public Radio's Clay Masters reports, the law went into effect immediately. Hundreds of evangelical Christians looked on as Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds signed the bill from the stage. She said the bill passed in a special session this week reinforces a previous bill she signed that was blocked by the state's high court. Iowa's 2018 heartbeat law was not hypothetical. It was not an empty gesture and it was not a mistake. It was an ironclad commitment to the smallest and most vulnerable among us. The law prohibits almost all abortions at six weeks when most don't know they're pregnant. Health care providers have filed a lawsuit to block enforcement. A district court judge says he'll likely issue a ruling on Monday. For NPR News, I'm Clay Masters in Des Moines. People living near a Dow chemical plant in Louisiana were told to shelter in place after a series of explosions last night. Hallie Parker of member station WWNO has more. Twelve miles south of the state capital, residents in Plaquemine, Louisiana, were told to stay inside and turn off their air conditioning after at least three explosions from a Dow chemical complex rocked the area. The sky turned a bright orange as a fire ensued. The explosion occurred in one of the plant's glycol units. The unit produces ethylene oxide, a known carcinogen, among other chemicals. The company's firefighters were still working to put out the blaze Saturday morning. Iberville Parish officials lifted a shelter-in-place order for people within a half mile of the plant after Dow said the air was safe. Officials say air monitoring hasn't detected any chemical release and no injuries have been reported. For NPR News, I'm Hallie Parker in New Orleans. This is NPR News. 
This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Brent Habig from Two Creek Farm in Northeast Pennsylvania shares his ideas and principles about regenerative farm practices that emulate nature. His farming approach prioritizes animal welfare and ecology and produces delicious, organic, nutrient-dense food good for you and for the planet. Here is Two Creek Farm owner Brent Habig from my recent conversation that took place in late June. He begins with some personal background. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. My background is in global environmental work, so I've done large projects funded by governments, by large corporations. After having done that for many years, um, I became skeptical that top-down work uh, like this was effective and really decided to shift into grassroots work in the regenerative farming movement. Um, So since 2019, I have been dedicating all of my efforts to supporting Two Creek Farm, both as a successful regenerative USDA certified farm in its own right, but also increasingly as a training institution to support other farmers interested in regenerative agriculture. It sounds like uh, you have a, a global approach. Did you travel abroad to foreign countries to acquire some of the knowledge that you have now? Yeah, I have lived and worked in Africa for 11 years. I've lived and worked in China for eight years. So much of that was at the intersection of agriculture, economic development, and the environment. So yeah, I think a global perspective on agriculture is very helpful. Most of the agriculture in the world is driven by small producers. They feed most of the world. So in a sense, I think... That's a very optimistic view of a locally driven agricultural economy. That's really the way most of the world works. We're outside of that in the U.S. with our heavy industrial ag model, but definitely seeing the rest of the world is a a great way to understand what's possible. Here we are in uh, Wayne County in northeast Pennsylvania, and uh, we'd like to know a little bit about the history of this 100-acre farm. What is it that you can tell us about it? Well, I think it started from a farming perspective. We can see on the site a number of homesteads, but probably about 100 years ago that was consolidated into a 100-acre square block, and most of its history has been dairy. I think the dairy collapsed here in the 50s, and it lapsed then for about 50 or 60 years where it was weekend home for families from the New York area. And I purchased it in 2000 and started some agriculture then. But at this point, we're fully utilizing the, the 100 acres for agriculture. On the way here from the Delaware River Valley, I drove through land dairy farms. So you are up here amongst your neighbors in history. 
Two Creek Farm, from what I understand, having been on a farm tour, you mentioned regenerative agriculture. Would you like to elaborate on this now? Sure. So regenerative agriculture is essentially an approach that would allow the farm to be stronger and stronger each year to create more and more abundance, ideally without relying on external inputs. So that's the way nature itself functions. If you think about the journey from a volcano, and we basically have raw dirt and mineral all the way to a rainforest, nature is able to create abundance and succession. And the concept of regenerative agriculture is that we align our agricultural production with those forces, such that we're able to produce more and more on the same land with less inputs, because we're basically following the approaches and working within the systems that nature has designed. Mm -hmm. So the alternative to that would be conventional agriculture, where we essentially view the land as something that we need to fix and we would bring in all of the uh, chemicals necessary for it to be sufficiently productive and chances are each year it would degrade and we need to bring in more and more chemicals in order to continue with the same degree of production. So essentially you could think of it as a nature-based farming where we are mimicking nature in the context of our agricultural management. Well, we are very blessed to be in an area where farming, progressive farming, is taking place on many levels. Um, some farms use crop rotation or tilling. At Two Creek, what methods that you use to take this holistic approach to soil, building the soil, and producing crops? Well, I guess firstly, diversity. So we're a diversified farm. We have layers, we have broilers, we have turkeys, we have hogs, we have ruminants, lamb, cattle. We also have uh, veg and, and CBD gardens. So trying to harness all of that diversity together, that can allow us to close the loop on nutrient cycles where we're able to use our manures in our gardening. So that idea of nutrient cycling. We also mimic nature through rotational grazing. So the way we manage our ruminants as well as our poultry on the land would follow the way wild ruminants and birds would uh, move throughout a landscape where they would uh, graze intensely and then have that followed by periods of rest with the cattle first and the birds coming alongside or, or slightly after so those types of, of approaches allow us to realize the animal impact on the land that improves our pastures year after year. We also follow the principle that the soil should be covered. And if you look in nature, it would be very unusual for soil to be open. So we would always have covered soil. We would not use tillage. We're using deep compost uh, beds, similar to the way things might grow in a, in a forest context. So regenerative agriculture, I think every farmer makes their own choices. You know, regenerative is that goal set of regenerating your farm and and somebody might choose to till. It's not to say that any specific technique 
would make you regenerative or disqualify you as regenerative, each farm needs to make those decisions in their own context. Uh, but here, certainly no-till, diversification of our agricultural production, balanced nutrient cycling and, and rotational grazing, those are definitely some of the core concepts that we're implementing. You used a word a couple of minutes ago, ruminants. And I remember on the farm tour that I attended, I heard the word silvo pasture. Would you explain those two things? Sure. So ruminants are animals that would have the capability to produce protein from forage or grasses. So they can basically turn grasses into protein based on their digestive system. So that in general in our farm means cattle and sheep. We run those together in what we call a flerd is a combination of a flock and a herd. Um, those ruminants have a unique capability because they can basically turn sunlight into carbon. The sun is able to grow grass. The animals can then turn that grass into protein and manure, and that can then build carbon in the soil. So that's a very powerful tool that our pigs, our poultry, simply do not have. They just take calories in that are not essentially immediately the result of sunlight on our farm. So ruminants have a key role. So it's just a general term for for sheep and cattle. Uh, we do run those in our pastures, and our pastures we have set up according to a system called silvopasture, which is the integration of trees into those pastures. So rather than a wide open pasture, we are in the process of planting trees into pasture in different configurations with the idea that they will not interfere with the grazing capacity of that land, but also provide other benefits. So we have planted hundreds of trees into our pastures they can, over time, offer shade. They can uh, enhance biodiversity because animals are able to live in those trees. They can offer wind cover, so essentially some form of shelter for the ruminants. They're also able to pull nutrients from much deeper in the soil than the grass could draw. So they're able to cycle nutrients better into the pasture, and they can also be economically productive where we can get nuts or, or other products from them. So, yeah, and we follow a system called Keyline that also helps with our water management in the planning of those silvopasture systems. But, yeah, I think that's another key technique here. The method that you're using, it sounds very holistic, and I understand the idea to mimic nature Let's talk about your soil. Do you get it tested? I mean, the idea is that you store carbon and break down methane and you hold the rain in the soil. Do you have to follow standards or have you given yourself standards for soil testing? And do you consider yourself like certified organic? Well, we are USDA certified in the crops that we are selling and in our pastures. That is something we're doing largely to meet market requirements, although that doesn't really give us much guidance in terms of how we would manage our soils. As far as our soil management, we do testing 
but really only for organic matter uh, and for the carbon content. We do not do mineral testing or acidity and things like this. We are relying on our livestock to take care of that for us. So we give our livestock access to 20 minerals. They then are able to select the minerals that they need, which in general are the minerals that they are deficient in, which means those are the minerals that our pastures are deficient in. So they would select additional selenium, and we can see we're in a selenium-poor area, they will consume much more selenium than sodium, by example. And through that, they will then rebalance our soils through their urine and manure. And then our finished product, the meat that they produce, will be nutritionally balanced as well. So we're relying on the livestock as our nutrient or mineral testing. And because they're able to select the minerals that they need, they're effectively remineralizing the farm. So that's our alternative to would be testing and then applying chemicals. The other benefit is these minerals are then bioactive, so they're already incorporated into the urine, into the manure, and I think they're able to be integrated then back into the pasture more readily. Traditionally, farms grow Timothy hay. Do you incorporate any of that into Two Creek Farm practices? We are not doing any reseeding. Basically, we are relying on the historic seed bed, and we've seen significant changes in our pastures after years of rotational grazing. We are trying to achieve the greatest resilience and diversity of our pastures as a pasture ecosystem. So we don't want to add genetics that don't belong there. I don't feel that I would be qualified to determine what to seed in. We're basically allowing the pastures to make those decisions. So the grazing should set up the conditions such that certain grasses or forages will flourish and, and others may not. And we're basically allowing that system to evolve itself in a way that hopefully tends towards increasing diversity. And that offers resilience. If we have a period with less rain, then hopefully we'll have some combination of grasses that, that can adapt to that context. So, yeah, we are not actively managing the genetics of our pastures or adding any seeds. Can Two Creek Farm or any of the farms practicing regenerative farming principles compete economically in the U.S.? I believe so. That is the intent, that we can be a profitable farm, that we are able to compete. I would say we are competing in a more complex way than just competing on price. I think we offer extremely high-quality food products and other products, including our tallow and, and lard soaps or CBD products that are really not available industrially. And I believe we are selling quite well. So in the sense that we're occupying a niche for regenerative and organic agricultural products that meets the needs of demanding consumers looking for this type of, of food. 
but also looking to support regenerative agriculture. I think we are and will continue to be financially successful. I don't think in any context farming will be enormously profitable compared to Apple or Amazon or or other industries, but I think nonetheless we are able to produce a high-quality food in a way that we can cover our costs and, and allow enough margin to continue what we're doing and, and make this worth our while. Mm-hmm. And that's critical for us to function as a training farm. If we are not profitable, I don't believe we are credible to train other farmers. People are going into this so that they can live a, a decent life, they can have medical insurance, and they can basically put their kids to school. And uh, from that perspective... Yeah, our goal is that we're performing at that level so that we can show other farmers how that happens. You have a presence in the farmer's market. What is it that the consumer wants from their regenerative farmer? Well, I think it's really quite simple. Most people are disenchanted with the industrial food system, and they want to connect with producers that produce real food, with integrity, in a way that they can see, with transparency, in a way that they can trust. And so that would be true for any local farmer. I feel that the most important thing consumers can do is support local farmers. I think we have an additional attribute to the degree that uh, consumers are interested in climate change and how agriculture is contributing to climate change. I think uh, many of them are very excited to learn how regenerative agriculture can be powerful in mitigating climate change or restoring or regenerating the ecosystem. So I think some of our customer base brings some interest in environmental activism as consumers as well. We do have people who are interested in organic, biodynamic, and basically real food grown on real farms it's not propped up by chemicals. We have many consumers just interested in the nutritional attributes of that food as superior to what they could buy if they're purchasing vegetables or meats from the industrial food system. There are farm animals here. Some of them are quite beautiful, and they're even more beautiful because they're out in a natural setting. We have a range of meat available Our hogs, we have Berkshire hogs. We raise those outdoors year-round. They live in the forest areas of the farm. That gives them access to different types of tubers and everything they can forage in that context, in addition to the organic grains that we provide them. We have a grass-fed organic lamb. We have the Katahdin breed. Uh, That's an incredible product. They are born and raised to market maturity on the farm entirely outdoors on pasture. Similarly, at beef, we have our own breeding operation with Highland cattle that will provide Highland beef in years to come. For the moment, we're partnering with two other local farms and offering both Black Angus beef as well as Wagyu beef. We're just introducing Wagyu through a farm in Staraka in northern Wayne County that's been quite popular in the first few weeks. So both our Black Angus as well as our Wagyu are are available online as well as at the farm markets that we work through. 
I see that you're middle-aged and you're a wealth of knowledge. What are your long-term plans to spread this knowledge beyond your farm and into the community? My goal is to first grow Two Creek into a successful regenerative farm, and we're, I think, getting closer and closer to that destination. And as we do that, then to pivot into a much larger focus on training and supporting other regenerative farms. We do have a number of training outreach activities. This year we have a set of pasture walks that are intended mainly for our community of of consumers to learn about the farm, to see how we go about regenerative agriculture here. We also have a poultry training, a training on pastured poultry, and I will do a training uh, involving the Savory Institute Holistic Management on August 12th. We have a number of training programs that we're launching this year. We also host woofers. We have an apprentice program where we have apprentices live on the farm seasonally, and that allows them to hopefully get all the knowledge they need to set up their farms uh, in the future. So, you know, we have amazing training institutions like Polyface in Virginia, but in the the New York metropolitan area, our goal is to grow into a training institution focused on regenerative farming that can serve uh, both Pennsylvania as well as New York, that can serve those agricultural communities in a way that, that we think there's demand for a farm like this that can show all of these approaches but also have, have trainings along with that demonstration. Before we close, is there something else we haven't talked about that you would like to bring to highlight about Two Creek Farm and, or an aspect of regenerative farming that you'd like to share? Yeah, I'll just briefly mention that I am a trainer with the Savory Institute, and um, essentially Alan Savory is a farmer and an ecologist and an environmentalist from Zimbabwe who is a leading thinker within the regenerative movement. He's developed a system called holistic management, and that helps farms essentially manage the complexity of farm decision-making, where we have to handle lifestyle questions, where we have to handle production questions, we have economic questions, we have environmental or ecologic questions. And through holistic management, we are able to balance all of those and determine the best way to manage our farm so that it can yield the results that we expect. That's an area that I hope to be offering trainings in the future. We'll have a one-day mini course on August 12th in holistic management. And yeah, for any regenerative farmers, I think those approaches are very powerful and, and worth learning more about. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. The days are long and uh, the, the workday is very long. So i very happy to see you at the market and your presence in this community. I think you take a very uh, progressive approach I think of you as a big fish in a small pond, and then globally, you're a little fish in a big pond. You really are offering a progressive way of thinking, 
and a healthy way of living. Thank you. Always a pleasure to speak with you, Rosie. You're always welcome. Thank you. More information on Two Creek Regenerative Farm in Lakewood, Pennsylvania is available at twocreek.net. We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by a Radio Catskill volunteer. Special thanks goes to our guest, Brent Haybig, from Two Creek Regenerative Farm in Lakewood, Pennsylvania. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for joining us at our new time at 10 a.m. on Saturdays. And thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org The Daily draws on the unrivaled quality and expertise of the New York Times Global Newsroom of almost 1,500 journalists. Our mission is to tell stories more deeply, and to incorporate a new kind of transparency into the way those stories are told. I'm Michael Barbaro, host of The Daily. Join us for a thoughtful and human look inside the most important stories of the day. Weekday evenings at 6.30 here on Radio Catskill. Opioid use disorder is a chronic disease that affects